All right. Hello and welcome to Tales from the Orca. This is episode eight um, with your hosts, T Panda and the BFG. I'm T Panda and with me is the BFG. Brian, how you doing? Joey, I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, been a while since uh, since we've done one of these, but, uh, you know, we've had, we've had some busy things going on. Um, yeah, I, I was a little uh, a little rusty there on the intro, but we're here. Um, yep. Both of us have had things going on. I spent time in another country for a while. I was in Peru. Uh, and um, now we're back. Don't, don't lie. Don't beat around the bush. Turkish prison is a real deal. All right. <laughs> Turkish prison. I almost went to Moroccan prison once and I did not want to do that. So I can only imagine what a Turkish yeah, prison I, is like. I've never been to like American prison or yeah. American jail, but I, yeah. I can't imagine that like it gets better if you leave. Our no, country. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe somewhere like Sweden or something. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It was ASAP Rocky that just got in trouble in Sweden yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. But like I, I hear horror stories about just Eastern Europe. Uh, Russia specifically, Gulags, just yeah, yeah. yeah, just like the word. Like I, one of them I heard was just like literally, there's no fences or anything, and they just like throw food in there, and guards just like patrol the border, and there's like gangs, and they fight for the supplies and stuff inside the prison. <laughs> I think that was a video game you played, Ryan. I don't, I don't think, think so, man. Place. I think that's a real. I, I think that's really <laughs> yeah. the way the Russian prisons that's work. The Last of Us or something. That's yeah. that's no no no. That's that's for real Russian prison. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so here we are. And, uh, today's topic is, well, let's talk about some other stuff first. Right. Um, let's talk about what you've been watching. We were just talking, we had a thrilling conversation about Les Mis. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, yeah. uh, I put up a disparaging, uh, gif of Brian from a uh, said movie of Russell Crowe. And he was talking about how bad Russell Crowe is in that film. I've never seen it, but I do know that they were like made sure that they actually sang yeah like, like, oh the actors are going to actually sing which is good when you got hugh jackman right oh that yeah. Dude can yeah, sing, yeah that man. dude can sing yeah but i love that Russell Crowe, i don't know yeah. did you ever see that did you ever see that old snl skit where andy samberg played uh hugh jackman and it was like hello it's hugh jackman and we're here for two sides you know and it's like yeah. like one <laughs> side of them that, all yeah. made up like wolverine and the other side's made <laughs> up like uh like a broadway singer you yeah know? And he's just like I he's like two that, sides yeah. you know just like <laughs> stupid but hilarious yeah. um, a good one. but yeah no they had uh hugh jackman fantastic in that movie uh freaking um what's her face Catwoman, uh kate no, Anne Hathaway. Anne, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway was, yeah. was really good. Uh, and but like you got all these phenomenal actors and like, these people that can really sing. And yeah. and then you put Russell Crowe in there and, and you're Russell like, Crowe. <laughs> Look, mommy, it's Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's on my like overrated list in general. I just don't think he's that great of an actor. I but. I really like the the Russell Crowe movies I really enjoy, I really like, but there's a lot of shit out there that he's in that like I love Master and Commander. Yeah. And not that he makes it good. It's just like that's a well-made movie. Yeah, and same thing with like L.A. Confidential. He's, he's great. Like he's, I, he's in really good movies, but he yeah. himself is not exactly like the best part about those movies. I think the best acting I've seen him do is in L.A. Confidential. Yeah, but he just kind of plays himself. He in does. A way, so. Yeah, just kind of like uh, a brutish thug. Yeah, but um, yeah, Beautiful Mind. Oh, I hate that movie. Yeah, it's not good. Movie. The only reason I love Beautiful Mind is because it's got my future wife. I'm gonna steal her away from Paul Bettany one of these days. Uh, who's that? Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Long time crush, right there. Yeah, she's uh, she's been around a long time. Back, and- you know, the, the movie that sold me on Jennifer Connelly, and like, not that I'd I'd seen her in other things, but the one that was just like blew me away was. Uh, did you ever see Career Opportunities? I did not see that. Movie. Okay, that was like from the nineties or that. late eighties, yeah. I think. <clears throat> one of those like John Hughes knockoff movies. Yeah, right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, no Career Opportunities, man. She's just an absolute smoke show in that movie yeah and uh jennifer connelly was a was a lifelong and then and then she got 
like super naked and uh, inventing the abbots and i was like sold <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that i don't think i've seen that movie either yeah so anyway uh my, my jennifer connelly crush aside uh not to say that you know uh requiem for a dream she's in that one but that that, that was Ooh, always a yeah. tough watch that's a that's that, one watcher for me that's a one watcher yeah. for sure yep um the other thing i was going to tell you is that oh so i found in jaws news we got to update you on anything yep, and yep, on everything on jaws yep. mm-hmm. um the uh which i think the the some it hit some milestone this summer i think july there were some what how many years would it be uh it came out in 75 so it'd be 34 34 okay no, 44 44th anniversary or something yeah. i saw something about the anniversary of it but uh also robert shaw's son apparently is doing a stage yeah. play in yeah. england i think where he portrays his father and tells stories from the making of jaws and he does a little uh in one of the promos for it he does his impression of him and it's like spot on and he looks like amazingly spot on so look that up if you uh if you're a robert shaw fan like we are and i saw that i saw that the other day it was really impressive i would definitely go see that i would love it if the if he recorded that and put Mm -hmm. it on some sort of thing but Mm -hmm. who knows what the legalities of that are but uh yeah that's that's kind of cool yeah also funko uh, released a, a new pop figure and it's literally Quint being eaten by the shark. And that's, <laughs> that's, seen, a, that's a new Funko pop. I've is, seen the uh, other ones yeah. that they've done of, uh, of him and stuff, but that's, yeah, that's, he's like hitting it with the, with the harpoon gun. And yeah. like, uh, there's like blood everywhere. It's really cool. Uh, you know, Christmas is coming up. So that's right. if, you need to find, yeah, yeah. if you need an idea for what to get us, I will gladly anything, accept all yeah, Jaws, Jaws related. Memorabilia, memorabilia sure. Definitely. <clears throat> um, as far as like, well, uh, Brian, what I've seen no movies in the theater because I've been right. gone and all this stuff. What have you been? What have you been watching? Uh, I don't think I've seen except for one uh, since the last time we talked. Uh, I, I don't think I saw, I saw the one movie, and I don't want to reveal it yet because okay. it you know, pertains to it our pertains topic. to our okay. it pertains to our topic today. But uh, no, um, I, I have watched a few movies that I really enjoyed. Um, I watched for the first time uh, Paper Moon um, with uh, Ryan O'Neill and his daughter Tatum, Tatum O'Neill. O'Neil. She won a Oscar won for that. Support she actress, was the youngest actress, youngest actress ever yeah. to win a competitive Oscar. Yeah, youngest actor or actress, actor or actress. Yeah. That's correct. She, That's right. Yeah, Tatum O'Neill, man, and I yeah. mean she's really good in it, and I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I mean, you look at like Peter Bogdanovich. I think had a really solid run there in the in the late. Like he did, um, what's up, Doc? And then uh-huh. he did uh, Paper Moon. Or he did What's Up Doc, Last Picture Show, and then Paper Moon. And yeah. I think they were all like back to back to back. And you're looking at all three of those movies and you're like, oh my gosh, like what a what a what a solid run of movies for a director. Yeah. And uh, and then he kind of dropped off after that. No offense, Peter Bogdanovich. And then appeared uh, in The Sopranos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he was uh, I, I really enjoyed it. it. Was it was I didn't know it was in black and white when I when I watched it. Like I was I didn't realize that either. Yeah, I have not seen it. It's about it, some like a con artist or something, yeah, his daughter. Uh, so or like like Ryan O'Neill's a con artist and um <clears throat> he uh in, in like depression era America and uh stops by the, to to see the funeral of one of his like loves of his that he's had and she's dead now uh and there's this little girl who is the daughter of this dead woman and it's tatum o'neill and um she basically tags along 
uh, with and kind of cons her way into going along with Ryan O'Neill uh, to to all these places to bring her to Missouri where she's trying to get to. And uh, they play all these long cons and stuff like that. And Madeline yeah. Kahn comes in for a little while. And, and I love her. Yeah, I love great. Madeline Kahn, man. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a nice, yeah, little, I, nice little picture uh, that I'd never seen. Out. It sounds a little like Matchstick Men. Um, obviously not nearly as good of a film, but um, right. so, but <laughs> still, I think that I think Matchstick Men probably t- cribbed a bunch of stuff from yeah, the paper. Matchstick Men, has it's, been a mo- it's been a minute since I've seen Matchstick yeah. Men. Nick Cage. Cage. And, Nick, yeah, Nick Cage he's and, uh, got it. There's a daughter. and. Pissed blood yeah like, he's got <laughs> yeah. a great there's a great couple of moments in that movie yeah. where the cage rage comes out yeah. and uh yeah he he gets uh he gets a little gets a little wild yeah but uh no paper moon was really good and um i also saw uh the uh the man with the golden arm uh frank sinatra uh, that's about heroin or something yeah he's uh, heroin yeah. addiction and uh like He's the drummer. Um, yeah. For, you know, he's, he's a drummer and got all this talent, but uh, just kind of shoots it away. Uh, hmm. So, you know, what, he got nominated for best actor, I think, for that one. OK. Uh, one of his two, like he, he won for, for Period of Eternity and then he got nominated for that one, too. Right. And uh, so that was pretty cool. I, I, I dug it. And uh, I also went back and I saw I finally watched uh, I'm in my ongoing Oscars project that I'm doing. I started in the 1950s. Uh, I'd seen a few of the movies. I'd seen Sunset Boulevard. I'd seen Father of the Bride, the original Father of the Bride. Um, but I finally went back and um, <clears throat> never seen it. I, I'd started it a few times and then just like didn't interest me at all. Uh, but finally went back and watched uh, All About Eve with uh, uh, okay yeah you know with everybody under the sun that was in that movie uh, <clears throat> but all about eve not it, it won best picture that year yeah I feel, I feel like sunset boulevard is a much better movie it had one over sunset boulevard it won over sunset boulevard That's a shame. i know but uh all about eve one of the few like one of the three movies i think with 14 nominations for uh at wow. the oscars yeah uh, it's that one uh lord of the rings and uh, La La Land of all, of oh, all movies <laughs> have the most nominations. And La La Land for, won the least of the probably out of the three. Of those, I, right? Yeah, Maybe? I think I think La La Land won three, and All yeah. About Eve won six, and uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King won. 11 maybe, okay yeah or whatever it was nominated for right. it might have been titanic titanic got nominated for 14 okay yeah i, I can't remember but <clears throat> it all starts to run together there a little bit but yeah no that's cool. the, that's what i've been watching uh kind of a little bit here and there um nothing nothing really blow me away but I, I really dug paper moon that was a that was a cool little flick that i hadn't seen and been on the bucket list for a while yeah i have to check that one out um for sure i i've always wanted to watch that uh, i finally watched a movie that i've been wanting to see for forever um i had only heard of it and i'd never even seen the trailer for it but uh it's uh this little indie british film from 2010 called skeletons yeah you ever yeah, heard of that you ever seen you, it you were, you were talking about it uh, uh, talking yeah, about yeah, it brunch yes yeah, yeah. so we got a brunch and yep, uh yep. we were talking about it and uh this is really interesting movie. it's got jason isaacs is like the big name in it he's not the main role but jason isaacs was the villain in um the patriot right. and of course he was uh the you know he was uh, Lucius, Malfoy Lucius Malfoy in, in Harry Potter. Harry yeah. Potter, and it's just a great actor. Like, should be known for more than just those two roles. He's one of those. Oh, that's that guy. Yeah. Um, guys, mm-hmm. and he's got a great um, voice. Got he a, does. Just yeah. like a great presence 
in his in his acting. Yeah, uh, plays a great villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very much like Mark Strong in a lot of ways. Like comparing to him. Yeah, um, I, I, I always look at like vibe. Like there's those guys historically through film who are mm-hmm. they always playing like the snake in the grass or like yeah. the villainous kind of like Bruce Dern was another one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like, yeah, who who did that? And so Jason Isaacs, uh, you know, I, I don't see him playing any kind of like lighthearted comedy roles. No, <laughs> not really. He doesn't get anything <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, he's in it, and uh, there's it's a really good cast, but it's a really simple movie, simple story. It's about these uh it's this company that you can hire and they'll send people to your house to uh exercise um it's not really exercising ghosts it's more like exercising bad memories and scandals from your right house so they come and they like channel into your like and they can see what people have done in their life and all this stuff and it's sort of like talking to dead people but kind of not but like I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but what I'm kind of picking up is kind of like, like a little, maybe like a eternal sunshine where like, you know, they, like they erase aspects of your life to where you don't remember them. Or is it just like nobody remembers? No, it's like these, it is close. It is similar in that way. You could describe the service as that is these weird dudes come to your house and do this thing. And it has to do with your memories and stuff like that. But it's more like cleansing bad energy in a way. Okay. It's almost like if you, do you watch lost? Yeah. You know, uh, is it miles was the guy that could, talk to ghosts. Okay, yeah, yeah, And he yeah, goes yeah, to the yeah, house yeah. with the vacuum cleaner right. and this and that. Well, he was faking what he was doing, but it's kind right. of what he right, was right, doing, right, right, but right. like in like, but real, if it was okay. real. Almost and like taking away, like taking on the bad energy. Yeah, and uh, taking it, and out, taking of the it house. out of the house. I it's called you. skeletons because okay. it's like skeletons, skeletons in people's in closet. Right, 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 right. Um, cool movie. Like, I would like to, it's the kind of thing that like, man, I'd love to see like somebody make a series out of this and like go in depth on mm-hmm. what this thing is and mm-hmm. how to do it. But it's these two guys and uh, the whole process of doing it can be addicting to the point where you can't stop or whatever. So they have to like tread the line of like being professional with like not abusing the power to okay. like go into their own paths and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a neat little movie. It's not very long, but they they encounter a case that's much more difficult than the other ones they've done. And it right. kind of like brings up these ethical problems. Um, it's just a cool movie. It's a just moral like, quandary, if you will. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell it was just like, it, it, I, I can't, I don't know how old the guy was that made it, but I, it seemed like a young filmmaker was like, this seems like a cool idea. Let's make it. And yeah. he got Jason Isaacs to be in it. And, it's just a cool movie, but it's not been available anywhere. Um, it's probably available in the UK until recently um, when now Amazon Prime has it on there for okay. free. Like if you subscribe nice. to Amazon Prime, you can watch it. So. Which I do. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's a cool little movie. Um, let me know if you, if you watch it. Um, yeah, Skeletons. Um, the director has gone on to do some TV shows and stuff. But, okay. Um, maybe, some, maybe a bright future. Yeah, um, I think so. And uh, other than that, I've been prepping for this episode. I think yeah. I prep more for this episode I than I have for for any of them, any of them that we've done I so agree. far. Um, and our topic is very relevant to our podcast because this topic was kind of, in a way, what eventually what inspired. Yeah, what yeah. Ma- we finally started talking about this topic. We were like, okay, we're gonna have to do a podcast. Um, but the topic is um, the best musical moments, um, scenes featuring music in Quentin Tarantino films. Um, obviously inspired also by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has just right. come out. Just came out. And so what we wanted to do was pick out our five favorite scenes. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is one of the masters of using music, uh, especially pop music, in this like interesting way in his scenes. I, so I always say that him and Scorsese are the two masters of using popular music in their 
films. Agreed. They both use them in different ways. Uh, Tarantino, also, uh, the thing that I love about Quentin Tarantino movies is he'll usually use a, a song in a way that you wouldn't normally pair. You wouldn't think that this song goes with right. this scene. Right. And it's that conflict of the song versus the scene. Mm-hmm. He'll use some song that's happy and use it in a scene that's very dark and not happy. Right. And it creates this weird tension in a lot of his movies. It, where it, and, and I feel like Tarantino is in a way a master of suspense on Hitchcockian levels. Right. Especially if you look at like some of the scenes in his more recent movies of like the growing and the building tension and just the music that plays into that where you look at like Inglorious Bastards or uh, you know scenes from Hateful Eight yeah. or even a few scenes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which that was the movie that I went to go see in right. the theaters which it was excellent. Uh I would not put it in my top five for Tarantino okay. um, overall, but it's still an amazing movie. Uh, right. Any Tarantino is is going to be good compared to a lot of the shit that's out there okay. uh, on a normal basis. Um, the the dichotomy and the and the, the playing off of the characters of Leonardo DiCaprio and um, <clears throat> Brad Pitt are absolutely amazing. They 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 have such great chemistry together, and I'm like, please make all the movies together. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's a great uh, pairing. But no, there's there's a couple scenes in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that have that same uh, effect. And Tarantino, I feel, is uh, really good at building that tension. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, I don't think any of my music moments have, uh, except for maybe one, uh, have that kind of effect. Uh, but oh, there's, really? yeah, yeah, there's there's uh, there's some really good uh building tension like, I, I feel like the best one is uh, in Inglorious Bastards when they're in the bar underground and they're playing and it's with Michael Fassbender and they're playing the card game where they've got you know they're yeah. they're talking to the German general and all that kind of stuff and they're all just under the ground and you you know some shit is about to go down mm-hmm. and it's that that tension just builds and builds yeah. and builds uh, comparable also to the very opening scene of Inglorious Bastards with the milk and everything there uh, there's like four scenes in that movie that, yeah, he, that are like that. He, he does those scenes, and early on in his career, he used pop music to like punctuate those to punctuate scenes those and create scenes, yeah. this like mm-hmm. sense of. And we'll see it when we get into our top yep. fives, I'm sure. Yep. But this sense of like dread, it's like this really happy song played against this really uh, dreadful scene or mm-hmm. this very about to be violent scene or whatever, and it makes you as a viewer go, "Oh, this is something. I don't know why this is making me uncomfortable, right. but it's making me uncomfortable that this certain song is playing mm-hmm. right now." And he's just a master of that. I would say that like there's i was thinking this on the way over here there's um it's not a coincidence that quentin tarantino rose to fame at the same time that hip-hop was becoming a mature uh genre musical genre oh cool i didn't think about that tarantino much like the hip-hop producers the famous hip-hop producers that that made some you know some of the greatest songs of all time tarantino takes samples of things mm-hmm. and remixes them right he uses like almost all of his scenes are things that have come from other movies or right. inspired by other things yeah, you look at you look at like what he's doing in his movies i'm like i, I went back and watched uh sabata that was another one with uh lee van cleef yeah and uh and so and like you, you're there's things that those movies steal from uh leone's dollars trilogy and then like mm-hmm. you know you look at like all the aspects of the spaghetti western that uh, Tarantino put in Hateful Eight and Django Unchained and, mm-hmm. and all those scenes. I mean, like there's there's very few original like scene ideas that come from Tarantino, but 
he is original in the fact that he puts those in and puts his own spin on yeah. and, and, and puts his unique touches on those kind of scenes. And it's very comparable to uh, the, the hip hop producers taking samples and making some new thing out of it, right. sampling these old songs. And, and Tarantino uses these old songs or these pop songs or these mm -hmm. things, you know, he uses them in these ways that you wouldn't normally do. And in a way, it's like sampling um, and, and creating things out of samples. And it's super interesting to like think of his career in that sort of context uh, and early on in his career he used a lot of pop music and then later on he uh especially since he like developed this this like brotherhood with morricone yeah Am I saying his name right morricone I think, I think it's morricone yeah um the, you know the famous composer of the spaghetti western mm -hmm. music um he he created this uh this he he just like well that's one of his guys in his group that yeah, he works they're, with. They're in they're in the gang now. Yeah, you know? exactly. Which is so crazy Which is to like, think about. That, this is a legend. This is yeah. Hollywood legend. Like I didn't even realize like when I first like realized it was him, I was like, Morcone's still around. Like, yeah, like he's he's not dead. Yeah, um, he first worked with him in uh, Kill Bill, maybe. Uh no. Was it earlier than I, that? No, it was it was Inglorious Bastards. Was it really? I thought um, he did. I thought Morcone did work on on Kill Bill, but that that was Rizza, I guess. But it, it was inspired Rizzo. by inspired by Morricone. <laughs> yeah. yeah so he just went straight to the source for yes. uh inglorious bastards i think there might have been like some Morricone originals that yeah. they had sourced into kill okay. bill yeah, that's but, probably like, what i'm thinking first of. worked with Morricone on inglorious bastards and then i think full-blown for Django. yeah and hateful eight and hateful eight yeah and so later on in his career he uses these musical scores to create that tension yeah um original stuff and this is sort of maturing of his like style too i think with that um obviously for my list i didn't have any score based stuff mine's all just like pop music i have I have one score of, based um, in this and um, yeah, it's just an interesting list and it's something that way we were passionate about. Eventually we're going to do our top five, like overall, overall best music, scenes that yeah. feature music. Mm -hmm. um, that, 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 that would take some serious reason. I would have to really apply myself to like, whittle that down yeah I've, well, i want to save that one that's one we're saving for the future <laughs> that, that, that's that, on the horizon that should be like the, the one year anniversary episode you know? yeah for sure <laughs> um we when we talked about it the other day we were like what are we going to do a show on and we talked about tarantino and we both were like let's do music when tarantino movies um because it's just a great way to define we kind of talked about like i was like you know favorite tarantino scenes and then joey was like hey let's bring in music too and yeah. and in in realizing that like we're both talking about the same thing because probably yeah. the best scenes are usually punctuated by the music yeah uh, in for those sure tarantino movies <clears throat> yep, I agree. And, um, you know, celebrating. I will full disclosure. I've been trying to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was going to go see it last night and I just didn't get a chance to see it yet. So that one's not going to make my list. But the good thing is I made sure to catch up on everything else that I had missed, which was only Death Proof, I think. OK, but we did rewatch. Uh, my girlfriend had never seen Reservoir Dogs before. Man. So I was like, I have not seen that movie in a long time. It's been a hot minute. Um, I've seen it a million times, but I've not seen it in probably seven or eight years maybe yeah. and so i was delighted to go watch that again what'd you think and what she think about yeah. it? she really liked it cool yes she thought it was really cool that it was like much we talk about this on the show a lot but it's that that movie is very much like a stage play oh yeah it all takes place in one room mm -hmm. and the, the dr drama of it is like these people interacting and people yep. come in and out of the scene yep um and she thought that was just really cool the way that they wrote the characters and yep. and um she's when she she if she really likes something she go google all about it she she googled everything about <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. blah 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 <laughs> and I, so i have some facts about the soundtrack of that that i can bring up later um and i also watched death proof which i've never seen death proof or planet terror the two grindhouse right, films right. um i don't know why i missed those it was just some time in my life where i wasn't going to the movies or whatever mm -hmm. and i was like yeah we should watch that 
I was not a big fan of Death Proof. I'll tell you that straight up. I thought okay. it was not great. Okay. I really enjoyed the first half of it, which is like one film. Right. And I got that. Yeah. It's just like straight up homage to uh, uh, Grindhouse Films and yeah. it's gritty looking and he actually hand scratched all the film and there's right. scenes dropped. I didn't understand the shift in the second half to this like it's clean. Almost like, it's almost like an episodic television where it's like one episode, two episodes, two, yeah. Because it's almost like a, 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 a like a clear reset of the character. Like stuntman Mike is just like okay, so like he's not hurt or like did this happen before or yeah. after? What, yeah, like you you yeah. have no idea. It's almost just like a, a whole different episode yeah. in the life of stuntman Mike. I really liked the first half of the movie, and right. I like stuntman Mike throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But I did not get the second half, and I didn't like it, and I, I was disappointed. Also, like the whole movie for some reason was thinking, when is Rose McGowan going to come out with the gun on her leg? And then at the end of it, Jackie was like, <laughs> my girlfriend only, was like, that's in Planet Terror. I was like, Terror. well, damn <laughs> it. All right, nobody told me this. <laughs> I felt I'll like say an this. idiot. I'll say this. I saw Grindhouse in the theater in the original like three hour version of it yeah and uh planet terror is the weaker of the two movies really i well i, I think i think I, was it first or was planet, Death Ter first? planet terror was shown first and then death, death proof. proof yeah um yeah i was just really disappointed in death proof i mean it's tarantino so i'll take it over just about anything right, but right. um it's it was like one of maybe his weakest film i think uh, in my opinion so i would i would concur with that yeah I would, I would but, agree with that. Which is funny because you were like, it's good middle of the ground Tarantino. But then I was thinking the way everywhere. I was like, well, no, there is like no every I guess everything is middle of the ground Tarantino because there's no trash Tarantino. Right. Right. So, but I think it's I think it's at the bottom of the list for me. But um, I don't know. It's kind of an example of like sometimes his like reverence for film and his he gets too cute with it, I mm -hmm, think. Mm -hmm. And that's even in his there was a lot of there was a lot times. of reference to other movies. And like it was almost like, hey. Whereas in his films prior to Death Proof and even after, it's like, okay, there's all these references and there's subtle references or it's yeah. like visual cues and things like that to other movies. Whereas in Death Proof, it was like, we're talking about a 70 Dodge Challenger like in Vanishing Point, which Vanishing Point's a great fucking movie. Right. Uh, but it was a little too on the nose. But it's on almost the like nose. too it's on like, the nose and you're like, ha, like, ha wink, wink. You know, it's like. Yeah. Okay, buddy. We watched some movies. Yeah, we, right? we've seen okay. movies too. Oh, I got yeah. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. So, yeah, but I was glad I watched it because now I have seen everything that T Tarantino has put right. out. I right. really wish that I'd gone back and watched both Kill Bills again because it's been a long time since I've seen those. That's that's I got them right up there. I watched yeah. both of them. Man, you watched those. I watched prep for this. It really good. it really solidified like both. Like I, I consider them one movie, as does Tarantino. I do too. Tarantino yeah. considers yeah, them I, as just one, as well. just yeah. one movie, and uh, it, it is. Oh my gosh, it's it's unreal how good, because Kill Bill, like for me growing up, like I saw, uh, which is also funny because like we're doing this Tarantino podcast, uh, the. 18 year anniversary of me watching Pulp Fiction for the first time. Pulp Fiction is my number one movie of all time. Um, favorite movie. Shout out episode one. I think. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. did. Mm -hmm. um, and so that happened in August. Uh, August is the, the 18 year anniversary of me watching. Pulp so Fiction. when did you watch it for the first time? 2001. Okay. Yeah. I so okay. I, I saw Pulp Fiction first. I was like 16 and uh, saw it and it just blew my mind. And I'll talk more about that later. I have um, something relevant to seeing Pulp Fiction when it came out right. in my list that I need to be reminded but of. When we Kill get Bill, to, Kill to Bill was the that. first 
Tarantino movie I got to see in theaters that you got to get excited for and right. like go see in right. the movie theater because Jackie like, Brown, Reservoir yeah. Dogs, and Pulp Fiction had already come out uh-huh. uh, prior to Kill Bill, and Kill Bill was the first one in theaters. Where I was like, oh my god, like new Tarantino, yeah. let's go! Because it had been a while. Like I think Kill Bill came out in two thousand three, and Jackie Brown was ninety seven. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it had been, been, been like a six. Year I didn't break. realize there was. Yeah, <clears throat> now I think of it, there was no film in between mm-hmm, those. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah, that was that was. And it, I mean, it was hyped and like the media and the marketing just blew yeah. it out, and it, it, it lived up to all the hype and having rewatched them i i would say that collectively together as one film kill bill is my second favorite really tarantino okay. film behind pulp fiction yeah i, I don't hate that yeah um yeah, yeah that's interesting because i having also like i've been really into a lot of uh um i've been watching a lot of uh kurosawa Japanese uh, samurai films like you know Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and, yep. and stuff like that, and then I've also I started watching uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub mm-hmm. uh, series the of films that they've been doing you know and there's a lot of things that he pulls from that mm-hmm. um, specifically Shogun Assassin which was a reference in Kill Bill two and um, so that was just like a whole bunch of, and like it just brings all these things in and you 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 watch those original movies and then you watch Kill Bill and there's just so much connection and deep seated and also too it's almost like a spaghetti western but set in like the Japanese landscape of things, especially the yeah. first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one, second one's actually way more like a spaghetti Western mm-hmm. in that sense. But uh, I, I very much enjoy both those genres of samurai films and spaghetti Westerns. And then Kill Bill kind of merges all those together into one. So uh, I, I really dig it. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. So we prepped for this. I like, <laughs> actually did my homework. I was I like, I actually Man. know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, right now, you know? I somewhat do. Um, so just to get into the, we're getting into this. Um, some of the times we do these lists, we are very spoiler free. Uh, we try to not spoil things, especially if we're talking about movies in general that right. you need to watch. Uh, warning, if you don't want to have any spoilers, film spoiled um don't listen to this part of the podcast i guess <laughs> yeah. or get yeah, it, yeah. get ready to turn it off when we say what the movie is because like, I, I, I think i'm gonna spoil I, I a, a good things. way of saying it was like okay this here's the here's the music this is the movie that it's in and then we'll talk about it but if you don't want to listen move on forward yeah, you can you can jump forward can a little bit forward, there yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, but we are going to have some spoilers because i have to talk about some things that happen late in some of these movies absolutely that are very important all right um, did you have any honorable mentions joey because i got a few uh, you know me. I'm, I'm gonna be. I did. I wanted to say um, intros in general as a concept. Okay. I'm not right. saying intros are not on my list, but his intros. I read this uh, interview with him recently where he said the most important for, thing for me is to get the intro scene mm-hmm. filmed in my head. Yeah. I figure it out in my head, and if I've got an intro and a song for it, then I can make the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of this weird backwards way of making things. I mean, I'm is. sure that's not ever you know the whole story of how he right. makes films, but right. like it's very important. His point was his intros are very important, and he has some of the greatest intros. Some of them. Uh, like I, 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 was, I, I could have done a whole list on just intros mm-hmm. of, of his movies and uh, yeah intros that's 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 a great way of kind of and uh, outro music is uh, particularly like um, at the end of Reservoir Dogs he uses Harry Nilsson's Coconut song yeah which is a very weird strange song mm-hmm. but I'm a huge Harry Nilsson fan he's a great songwriter and he's written a lot of songs that you love that you do not realize were written by him but that's a great song too and apparently um well, we'll get into that later, but there's a, there's a fact about the, the soundtrack budget for that film that I want to get into. But anyway, that's my two like honorable mentions. Okay. Um, I definitely got to go with, uh, speaking on intros, uh, the intro for Hateful Eight, the score mm-hmm. building. I mean, it's just like that slow, steady build of Morricone's uh, 
score yeah like you're like you're you're seeing this carriage pull up from a distance and it's just like what's going on what's happening you you, like the slow pan back of uh of like the cross and like the jesus hanging on the cross and all this kind of stuff that's uh in in the beginning of hateful eight um also intros um bobby womack's across 110th street and jackie brown Um, that's that's on my honorable mention list too so um, uh yeah that's a just great like like, you're looking at like that whole scene of Jackie Brown going through the airport and riding through the airport on the, on the moving sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, plus the lyrics of that song Mm -hmm. just set up the entire movie. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you feel the weight of the entire character of Jackie Brown without ever having to know, like you don't know anything about her at this point other than she's a stewardess or flight attendant, excuse me. Yeah. All right. Uh, but she's, she's a flight attendant and you don't know anything about this character, but like based on the lyrics of that song and what that's all about. Uh, also that's a, that's another great movie. If you've never seen it is across 110th street with, uh, Yafet Kato. Oh, okay. Um, I love Yafet Kato. Yeah. So. And, uh, so that's, that's another, that, that was the theme song to that movie, which is a great black exploitation film, which is, you know, part of Tarantino's over, is, is that, is that the right word? Over, 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 uh, over, something like something that. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. We're not yeah. a grammar podcast. No, no, so. no. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and Tarantino works those aspects into his yeah. movies, and, and that 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 was a cool throwback there. The way um, that the camera follows her in that scene is mm-hmm. so iconic. Like yep. the, it keeps her in the middle of the frame the whole way, and just kind of follows her throughout yep. the airport. And yep. it, that song plays all the time, and that song comes back later in the film too. So it's like one of the like, motifs of the film. Yep. And uh, I had that those two, and then also uh, the the Green Hornet theme in uh, Kill Bill Volume One. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. a, just a cool little. I about that. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's really cool because like they're all wearing the Kato masks yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and um and and that was cool because they kind of threw back to that a little bit. And uh, I, I think Tarantino has gone on record as he's a big Green Hornet fan. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I think he was trying to direct that film at some point. He in was, time, I think. And, yeah. yeah, and um and, and, that and became they, a dumpster they, fire. they throw back a, a little bit to that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Yeah, right. Uh, so. So th- that was pretty cool to to kind of make that connection to and i mean it's just a cool little scene with building up to okay some stuff's about to go down here between uh the crazy 88s and and the bride uh in yeah and kill bill and that green hornet theme just is the perfect kind of buzzing to build that tension there so those are my honorable mentions cool well right. um i guess i'll get started with my number five yeah man go for it so my number five is uh the jim croce song i got a name from django unchained okay um it's the one that goes moving me down the highway, yeah, rolling yeah. me down the highway, yeah, rolling me down the highway. highway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there that that it plays the scene that it plays in is where um they're suiting um Django up to go on the ride with uh, Christoph <laughs> yeah. Waltz. Yeah, um, they've gotten to the point where it's it's sort of like the buddy cop part of the film mm-hmm. where they go riding off into the mountains and there's all the beautiful. They uh, just kill all the. <laughs> the fucking people yeah they go off to like to 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 do you know the bounty hunting together and they're outfitting Django in his gear Mm -hmm. because he's been freed or he's been you know he's he's partnered up with with uh waltz waltz's character and they get him suited up in his new gear and then they ride off together and it's like this perfect song for like a road trip yeah and which is essentially what it is it's almost like this easy rider style road mm-hmm. trip off into the mountains and you get all this beautiful uh the beautiful shots of the snow covered mountains uh, i don't know where they filmed it but i yeah. assume the rocky mountains or something um they're up in these mountain passes and yeah. you know oh, that that song some really plays great, over some really great cinematography uh yeah. in django and uh more so than i mean he always captures some really cool moments in his movies but uh and just in terms of the landscapes that they get 
in Django. That was really good. Yeah, and that, that song plays over a lot of that riding off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get ready and they ride off and that song's playing in that scene. And I just think it's a really great uh, use of music, pop music in an anachronistic way, where it's mm-hmm. like, obviously, Jim Croce wasn't around in <laughs> right. you know, whatever right. time period that it was, what, the 1860s or whatever? Mm-hmm. Was it post, mm-hmm. post-Civil War? Uh, no, because there's slavery still existed, so uh, it would be prior to the prior, Civil just prior, prior, so, so, yeah, yeah, pr- prior probably so, 1850s, yeah. I'd yeah, say, something yeah. like that. So, which I think the Django Unchained is like a big, like too big mess. Like that film's kind of like all over the place at it times. Is. Yeah. But I do really like it. But I think it would have been a much better film of about. 30 to 45 minutes were cut out of it and it was like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of fluff in that yeah um there's a lot of stuff but like uh like once leonardo dicaprio comes into the picture yeah then it really starts to okay you're seeing where this is going now but like prior to that there's a few scenes where you're just like where's this going Mm -hmm. um but once again saved by phenomenal character actors uh in in that movie christoph waltz and leonardo dicaprio just crush it yeah Except waltz won, a, waltz another, won another, his second uh, his second academy for, award how about that guy yep, wow yep and Amazing. uh freaking i mean you look at like you know samuel L. jackson was excellent in his little role that he had uh in Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Uh Leonardo DiCaprio just the embodiment of evil, yeah, okay? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and then, you know, almost like the the weird thing is like Jamie Foxx is the main star of that movie, but he's not the main focus of that movie almost. It's weird. Yeah, everybody else like chews up the scenery around mm-hmm. him and he's just kind of in the center of it all. But I will so. say one of my favorite shots from any Tarantino movie is the very end when they blow the house up and he just he's he's smoking that long cigarette with the with the cigarette holder <laughs> yeah. and he turns around he looks over his shoulder and he just gives that perfect smile yeah. To, yeah. to to his wife and it's just like the like the best scene where yeah. he's just like it, it just everything kind of comes together there Satisfying. and i really i really dug it and then they just ride off on the horse together so that was really cool yeah all right uh my number five is uh gonna be from your least favorite tarantino movie and uh i went back and watched death proof as well because it had been a hot minute since i went back and saw it and uh the hold tight by uh dave d dozy beaky mitch and titch uh is the song (laughs) that they're listening to as like the impending doom is about to happen yeah she calls into the radio station station. to request it yeah the 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 character that's the dj calls into her own radio Yeah, it calls in her radio station to request it. I had never heard that song before. It I had has never a Pete Townsend it. connection, apparently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely sounds like The Who in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a good song. Early, so early good 62. Choice. And uh, so, yeah, that's my number five. Um, it, it, it goes into that perfect thing that we were talking about earlier with uh, the song does not match up well or matches up perfectly with the scene but like it's not a song that you would play and then all of a sudden uh here here comes the spoiler uh is the fact that like all four of those women in that car die brutally this horrible wreck this horrible wreck violent uh, wreck violent uh, wreck intentional that's right and uh stuntman mike just just destroys their car and kills all these women inside of it yeah and uh very gory as i'm like the, the one that really got me was uh when her leg just flies out yeah. of it and just like it's <laughs> just amputated right there and just that's flies. why i was like oh yeah she's gonna have a gun on that leg mm-hmm. soon. And then, no. <laughs> nope, nope nope no gun nope <laughs> that wasn't rose different McGon, movie though. that wasn't yeah. rose was McGon. it not i thought it because it cut between the two cars i thought that it was that's what i did whatever yeah, it, yeah. 
the whole thing got fucked up for me because of the <laughs> so yeah that's gun. my number five because uh it's perfect too because there's like really like there's this pounding guitar where it's just like down 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 yeah. and, and yeah. like that that's the where you're like ooh okay oh, yeah. but then it's like this really happy like I, they're, I, they're singing I, along yeah. to it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just like this weird uh kind of kind of antithesis of what it should be but it, it works out works really well together um one cool thing too that i really like about death proof is the the hood ornament on the death proof car that uh stuntman mike drives is also the hood ornament on uh the on chris christopherson's truck in uh convoy is um, it really yeah so like that's a that's a throwback to like those 70s trucker films yeah and uh i thought gotcha. that was really cool it's like those, yeah. the duck smoking a cigar is because <laughs> yeah. that was the yeah. rubber ducky yeah. was the was chris christopherson's uh, <clears throat> name and that was his truck and that was his uh hood ornament on I his truck you. that makes so, sense yeah cool so that was pretty cool nice. anyway uh that's number five for me all right so my number four is from my favorite quentin tarantino film Notice I don't say the best one, but right. my favorite one, Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Right. Um, and it's uh, the song is uh, by David Bowie. It's Cat People. I think it's Cat People. And then in parentheses, it's Into the Fire, mm-hmm. something to do with fire in the parentheses. Right. But um, it's it, it plays in the scene where, uh, so the scene is Shoshana, the owner of the um, cinema, right. uh, is plotting her revenge. And mm-hmm. she's plotting to start this fire in the, in, in the theater and you know try to like basically get her revenge on the nazis right and that song plays and it's it's the it's this montage of her preparing and getting the theater ready and they cut between her and her love interest doing all these things right and getting ready and she's like getting glammed up and all this stuff mm-hmm. and the the song is just this kind of slinky david bowie you know doing his yeah. like it's very slow and plotting just and, you shut your mouth like that that's yeah. not not that, that that's not from cat people but uh yeah. but yeah i know what you like it's very kind of that sultry it sounds like a joy david. division song yes. really when mm-hmm. you listen to it but it's got this like yeah it's and it's another anachronistic use of pop music in um right you know, in a scene because obviously yes. it wasn't david bowie wasn't you know making music back in right. world war ii um it's just this great scene though where it just sets up for this you, you've been building for this revenge from the beginning of the film mm-hmm. and now you're you're here and it's getting ready and it's like um prepping for for this impending thing and you don't know what's going to happen or right, how right. it's going to turn out and especially after all the other things that have happened in the film up to that point mm-hmm. where like you know that she's probably going to kill those nazis in that theater but you haven't seen it yet yeah and uh this is always my big question for people about inglorious bastards is like do you think that hans landa knows that it's shoshana when they have that little lunch together when they eat the when they eat the uh I don't know. I, I if like, you press like, me, he, I would say no. Okay, All but right. it does set it up to feel like that yeah. when he eats the cream or whatever. Yeah, and when it's, it's like the, he's, the whatever it is, the strudel, the strudel. When yeah. they're eating the strudel, like wait for the cream and the, yeah, uh, yeah. So like that's that's a uh, that, that's one of those things where I'm like, he does he know that? Like I feel it because he's so calculating and mm-hmm. he just knows everything about everything. Is like, does he know that that's her? Or at least does he have suspicions that that's her? I think he, I think Tarantino intentionally plays it vague like that. Right. So you don't really know. Right. I don't think so, but I did have the thought that he thought that he right. knew. Like right, I did, right. I did go back and forth on that. Mm-hmm. It's very, very possible that he did know. Yeah. But, yeah. So that, that's uh, always yeah. a really cool thing. I was like, I love about Inglorious Bastards is that, that 
unknown aspect of what does Hans Landa really know. And then also, too, like, how is it that he gets duped so easily? Like, are the bastards just that? Like, is Brad Pitt that great of a mastermind? Yeah. Or it's kind of like because he's this like he just he's this master villain yeah and then yeah. he gets thwarted by these guys right like, so it, it has a very james bond-esque mm-hmm. uh quality to it where you know it's like here's you know here's freaking you know which is funny because waltz played blofeld and yeah and inspector <laughs> inspector yeah uh but it, it has like that quality where it's like how is it that you're this master villain and then get brought down by somebody so simple as you know out of rain out of the Apache. Right. But uh, yeah, that was that, that. That's always, you know, stuff that I think about when I'm just thinking about movies and I'm watching them. And I'm like, after, especially if you see it for the first time, yeah. you're going back on like the third or fourth rewatch. That's just stuff that I I've watched. Other than Pulp Fiction, I've watched Inglourious Bastards the most out of all his films. So. I've probably, Pulp Fiction definitely number one. And then I would probably, I would probably say that. I would, I would, I would echo yeah. that because it's just a, it's a movie that you can put in and it's, it's very watchable. The scenes in it, they're just individual scenes. Yes. I think that overall, it probably fails as a movie um, cohesively as a full plot in some ways. Right. But the individual scenes are just spectacular, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. that scene when they're in the basement you talked about earlier, yep. and there's all this tension, and uh, Michael Fassbender's in it. Michael Fassbender, like, I'm t- like, I've said it before, yeah. and I'll say it again. You put him in your movie, you have a license to print money. Yeah, right? totally. Like I'm he's so great I, as that character. He's so great. Yeah. And, and it's just like even the even the scene prior to that where they're in, and it's like Mike Myers. Is, yeah. the, is the is like the thing and they're talking about uh the whole operation and everything uh-huh. like that just the, like the the words and the the dialect and the 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 verbology or uh, that's not the right word but uh just the the way that they speak is so perfect you mm-hmm. know and it's like all of our eggs in one basket you know just <laughs> yeah. like it's so yeah. it's so perfect yeah, with that so little yeah. this arrogant yeah british secret <laughs> mm-hmm. agent or secret uh or special forces guy right. or right, whatever right, right. So, yeah all right so uh that was your number four four all right so my number four is going to be uh probably one of the more iconic um scenes from uh from tarantino everybody probably knows it like if you don't know anything about tarantino it's probably the one that everybody does know and uh Steelers wheel stuck in the middle with you from reservoir dogs um and the thing that i love about it so much is i mean yes it's iconic and it has all this violence and it's this very happy song kind of thing yeah um but i would say more so than any other song in uh tarantino's filmography uh and, and I, I read an article recently where um they're saying that like great directors or people who use music and movies it's like when you hear that song now that song is forever associated with that movie yeah you can never i was i listened to that song on the way over here Mm -hmm. um and um yeah you can never disassociate i can can never hear that song and once you've seen reservoir dogs you can never hear that song and not think of that not think of that me that 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 scene yeah i agree that that's how that's how ingrained that song is with uh mr blonde killing Marvin and it's just like right well cutting the ear cutting off the ear off and thing. I mean it's like and, and, the, and the thing the thing that I really love about it is like you know he goes and he throws the gas on him or you no no he goes out to the car he goes out yeah. to the car and like the music stops 
because he goes out to the car and then they're out there and he's like fishing around in the trunk another great tarantino trunk scene and then you know like he comes back in and the music picks up right back where because well the music's what do you call it when the music's playing actually in the scene it's called uh Uh, we should know that we should look that up (laughs) the music is playing on a radio and the whole conceit of the whole movie has to do with their listening to this kbilly super sounds of the 70s sounds of the 70s weekend and all these songs and they're reminiscing about things as the songs come on and so it's playing on the radio he turns the radio Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. and um then you know when he goes to the car it it fades out because he walks away from the radio radio it comes back in and and it it swells in again again. just that yeah that and the the little dance he does is just Mm so memorable with that he does the dance with the straight razor to the song and it's it has that chugging beginning to it and stuff yep um and then he like once he cuts the ear off and he like talks into the ear and just yeah uh, it's this like funny and horrific scene um and it's the it is the i think it is the ultimate example of what i was talking about earlier about Mm -hmm. quentin tarantino using the juxtaposition of happy upbeat song with horrific thing or dark thing right to create this sense of tension and this sense of like like craziness yep. like blonde is is made out to be this crazy force mm-hmm. in the film and then you finally are seeing this because he's been cool up until that point yeah, yeah he's like like the coolest guy in the movie up yeah to that point. and now you see you're like shit this guy is fucking he's nuts. a psycho like, <laughs> and it, that song just punctuates it it's such a great great use of music i um, still would love to have seen if they did like a vega brothers movie with, that, which with they were john, supposed to they were right? supposed to yeah. john travolta yeah. and michael madsen that would have been a great because their characters from reservoir dogs and pulp fiction are brothers, they are brothers in the continuity yeah. mm-hmm. um they're the vegas so yeah yep that's a great one. Uh, yeah, it's no, so it, good. it's it's, it's so iconic. Like, and th- there's very few music moments like that. Like another one uh, that I always think back on is uh, Tom Petty's "American Girl" from uh, "Silence of the Lambs." Yeah. Um, every time I hear that song, that's all I can think of is like her singing that song that, right yeah. before she gets kidnapped by Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And uh, just like the whole uh, that that that's that one, and then Steelers Wheel stuck in the middle. It's such an know. interesting song to the Steelers Wheel song is such an interesting song because it's one of those songs that like like growing up i knew that song but i didn't really know what it was called yeah. i always thought it was bob dylan because yeah. i think bob dylan wrote that song okay i have i, I think there's some connection to bob dylan from right. that song right and it sounds like the singer is trying to put on his best bob dylan it does yeah um i can't remember what that guy's name because it does have that kind of Ew. yeah <laughs> it does it's like this like trying to be bob dylan thing right and so it's like this perfect song to like it had this like non-identity to it of like well it's kind of this thing but i don't know and then tarantino attaches the scene to it mm-hmm. that makes it its own thing it's like amazing um i don't know it's just great use of it uh my fact earlier that my girlfriend looked up was that tarantino used the entire music budget to get the rights to that song okay. for reservoir dogs the rest of the songs that are featured in it that are pop songs or on the radio or whatever were um they got the rights to those by making a deal for the soundtrack somehow okay. so um i don't really they know how spend the whole works, music but, budget on that one song mm-hmm. that's cool yeah i didn't know that but if they didn't use that song, can you imagine that song with any other that scene? No. With any other song? No, no. you can't. No, so, and like yeah. I, I it, it's very tough to to imagine that. And and also too, it's like I feel like Tarantino at some point was like, man, you know, like these guys deserve some more credit, and I'm gonna put their song in a movie. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like he, he like he's he, a fan of things. So he's he a is. fan of yeah. things, and he wants to like. And, dig and I've always I've always said that like if I ever you know if I ever got off this teaching path and like got into film or something like that if i ever did like like bands that i loved 
growing up. Like the bare naked ladies, you'd be yeah, yeah, exactly. getting them exactly. more credit for yep. what it, the music that they made that should have been more recognized. But like some of the lower, like the yeah. lesser known bands that, you know, didn't quite make it mainstream, but like yeah. I saw all the time in colleges mm-hmm. or like when I was in high school and stuff like that, I would be like, I want to put their music in my films because, or like I've already thought about, cause like when you hear songs, it's just like, man, I, I, I think of, I think of movie scenes yeah, and stuff. Plays on I, your like, head. I mean, yeah. oh, that'd be a great scene to, to put a movie or a song in. And uh, so like, yeah, if I ever, you know, if I ever make a big like that, then I'm, I'm going to give out some recognition to some of those little, little known bands. And then maybe they'll have like a career resurgence, you know, yeah, Steelers wheel back on tour. Yeah. Thanks to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it affected his, that the, the, their income as a band, yeah. like as yeah. far as royalties and stuff. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm sure tons of people. I, I, I had the, they made this Quentin Tarantino soundtrack, which was like put, songs from Pulp Fiction Reservoir Dogs and mm-hmm. a couple things he had written yeah. um, from uh, True Romance and stuff. Right. I think all those were on one soundtrack together CD cool. and I had that and I'm sure like tons of people bought that thing right. and like they had to have made money off of it. So That's cool. Yep. Alright man, what you got? My number three uh, is from Jackie Brown. Okay. And um, I have watched Jackie Brown again for this too. Okay. Uh, I, so did not, I did not rewatch Jackie Brown but I did watch the one scene that I wanted to talk about from Jackie Brown. So gotcha. Um, well, I've watched it again cause I had been so long since I'd seen Jackie Brown that I remembered the iconic bits of it, but mm-hmm. not the whole overall plot. Right. I have this weird relationship that I think a lot of Tarantino fans of my age have with that film. Whereas that, you saw Tar- uh, Pulp Fiction much later after Jackie Brown had already come out. Right. I saw Pulp Fiction not in the theater, but I saw it the year it came out. I right. saw it on VHS right. or the year after um, and became a fan of it and then watched Reservoir Dogs soon after that. Right. We got like, we got to watch Reservoir Dogs. This Absolutely. I, I was in the awesome. same boat when I saw Pulp Fiction and then I, I think I saw Reservoir Dogs maybe like a week later. Right. Yeah. Um, it was close for me, but then there was all this buildup of like Jackie Brown's coming out mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. and getting real excited about it and yep. then having a huge disappointment in that film right um as a tarantino fan and wanting more pulp fiction and reservoir dogs and that film's very different than those two films it is um, and it's it, also the only one that he didn't write himself yeah right because it's based so on the elmore, it's based Leonard, on book. elmore yeah. Leonard book yeah and it doesn't it plays with time a little bit but not the way that it doesn't have things out of order in the way right. that the other two films do. So it mm-hmm. kind of breaks the mold, which he probably intentionally wanted to break the mold of not doing it the same way. Right. But I can remember vividly me and other Tarantino fans being like, this movie sucks. <laughs> and actually it's great. It's, it's a, a great, great film. It, it, it's, it's I, I remember watching Jackie us. Brown for the first time. I think I was in college because it was one of those, like I didn't see Jackie Brown for a long time after yeah. I watched Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. And I saw it for the first time in college. And I, I, I remember watching it for the first time and I was just like, Ooh, like that's not as good as what I thought it would be. But then having sat down and watched it and, and revisiting it over the years, like I have, it is a very good movie and there's some really great scenes and there's some really good characters like Michael Keaton in that movie is amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. And great. Like, I forgot he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's I mean, great. Yeah. Just um, like that manic energy that he brings to, to his character and yeah. uh, you know, Robert De Niro a very understated De Niro performance, man. Yeah. Really and, good. And just yeah, great. Just yeah. Nails just, it. Yeah. Um, so like normally yeah. like you see De Niro playing like these really educated or very slick kind of characters mm-hmm. and Lewis and Jackie Brown is just, he's a fucking deadbeat. He's, he's a moron. He, yeah. And he has nothing to say. He's no, it's like, uh, he just, he doesn't say much in the movie. No. And, um, 
Yeah, just great. But um, that's what makes it so great when you watch it. And like, then he fucking just kills Bridget Fonda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's just shoots her in the parking lot. Of like, oh, and, shit. Yeah, and you're like, shit. And it's, it's akin to... Uh, Marvin getting shot in the back of the car in Pulp it Fiction, is. right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Like, um, it's just shocking in that way. But I saw so I, Jackie Brown. I've seen in that light of where I saw it, and I was like, "Man, this movie sucks." Yeah. And then, like, years later, six or seven years later, something mm-hmm. like that, I watched mm-hmm. it again. Was like, eh, "It's all right." And then I it, to come up to today where I watched right. it for the third time, probably, and was like, "Wow, this is a really great movie." Yep. Um, Robert Forster is awesome and amazing like got yeah. nominated for academy award for he that did. it he revitalized did. his career Revitalized. i mean like he'd been nowhere for like 20 yeah. years almost and it, he's such a it's such a weird thing because he's such an awkward character he is he's awkward and it's almost like his acting is very good but he's almost like a bad actor in it he is playing like what he thinks a human being should be or right. something yeah he's this weird awkward dude who doesn't really know how to interact with other people mm-hmm. and doesn't know how to express himself yeah he's weird because he's like really cool and like tarantino mm-hmm. plays up the cool factor but he's also like super awkward and vulnerable in these yeah. ways and yeah. he gets stepped on by a lot of characters in the film mm-hmm. um so it's a weird it's a weird role but um yeah. really nice but anyway i haven't even gotten to the song in the scene uh this it, it's not really one scene. This is another song that she uses as a motif in the whole film. And that's, um, the Delphonics, um, didn't I blow your yeah. mind this time, yeah, yeah. uh, which he, he hears Jackie Brown plays it for him. And he just fought, he just attaches that song to her mm-hmm. and he just loves it. And, um, so he's listening to it in his car in different scenes throughout the movie. Right. It's a great song. And it's just this, like, I don't know, this cool, thing that just goes on in the background right and at one point they cut between him listening to that and i think samuel L. jackson's listening to something very different in his car right. Right. and that one of the two scenes uh that they play those against each other kind of cutting back between the two mm-hmm. and i don't know it's just a great song great it, it, that that song and the song from the intro are you know this huge part of the movie right um Street like, from the beginning you you know some of the like there are songs that you always associate with like past loves and relationships and things where it's like, you know, I hear songs and that that takes me back to like dating this one girl, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you do associate songs with people and, and moments in time and, and things like that. So, I mean, that, that really solidifies. And that's another great thing that Tarantino, like Tarantino knows how people tick and, and how we associate things. And so, I mean, it's like, who hasn't had that song where like you hear that song and you think about that girl, or, yeah. you know, you, you associate it because you have that moment and Mm -hmm. he he does a great job. That's an illustration of that. Cause like he cherry falls in love with mm-hmm. Jackie Brown in this way. And that's yep. what that song is emblematic of their relationship. Yep. Um, yep. I agree. Well, my number three is, uh, also from Jackie Brown and, uh, it is the brothers Johnson strawberry letter 23. Uh, it's the scene where, uh, mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson puts Chris Tucker in the trunk and you know, they're, plotting and scheming and uh then basically just drives around the block and comes back up the other side and then kills chris tucker yeah um so yeah it's like this weird uh like what's going on and it's one long take too uh because uh ordell gets back in the car turns the car on the song plays and then it's just this weird uh like what's going on i have no idea what's happening and uh this song plays in the background the whole time and uh on the radio once again and it's this just perfect little scene that you have no idea what's about to happen until once again here comes the violence and 
and that that was a really cool scene for me yeah since strawberry letter 23 is like one of my favorite songs in the world it was originally it was written and performed by this guy named shogi otis okay and um his his original is that that version is good too and and more known but his original version is like my preferred one so i love that song so it was it was kind of on my honorable mentions list too yeah it's just a great song yeah that that, that was just a really cool moment um psychedelic soul song kind of like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and uh and i feel like I don't know. I I've, almost in a way like Tarantino saying that like he's not going to make any more movies after his tenth movie or whatever. I I want Tarantino to make a nineteen seventies era, like make a movie set in the seventies on what he would want his seventies to be. Just go all out on just it. Just go all just out, go out, whole yeah, hog, yeah, right? Because in a way, that's what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, because it was very much a love letter to that time period. But it's in the 60s, right? But that's 69, 69. So I feel like, uh, because I I think Tarantino was nine. You want like 77 Tarantino film, like late 70s. Like like him him as, you know, like Tarantino's teenage formative time period. Yeah, Yeah, I'd like, I could see that too. That'd be a cool thing. Or just let him make that rated R Star Trek movie. And that's happening, right? That's supposed to be his last movie. It's supposed to be the last, that's supposed to be it. And I'm like, I'm like that, that could be wild if that's, if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no, I, I, Jackie Brown, uh, I, I would say out of all of his movies, I would say that it's probably the most underrated, uh, because it, a, lot, a lot of people just love Pulp Fiction and love yeah. Reservoir Dogs and like Inglorious Bastards and stuff. But Jackie Brown, I don't feel it gets enough love and it should. It's it's, it's it a good should, movie. man. Samuel L. Jackson is awesome in that movie. So good. As this like super dumb criminal, but that. But it, yet. It, but able has to never pull been arrested, it, has never it, had ma- major problems or issues. It, but the thing that I love about that it is all how. Over town, you know? <laughs> he spends the whole movie just being frustrated at people's actions around him yeah. just being like what yeah what what <laughs> like the whole movie he's just like shocked that anyone's mm-hmm. doing anything dumb around him but he does all these dumb things himself but you look at like the people that he's around he, he surrounds himself with people that are dumber than him <laughs> right so but then yeah. he is constantly shocked yeah. that they are doing dumb things yeah. and just his reaction his he's indignant about it he's just like uh, I can't, I can't even do this anymore. Right. Like he just, and he just does that throughout the whole movie. And he's just great. And in, in that role, um, pulling off like the actor. weird rat tail ponytail, <laughs> yeah. which is not a, the rat tail, uh, beard, rat tail beard. Yeah, that's the, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goatee, yeah. yeah. Rat tail goatee. Yeah. So weird. My yeah. Bad. He's, ponytail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think solidifying the image of Samuel L and the, and the Kangol. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yep. All right. What you got number two, brother? All right. My number two is uh, Miserly from Pulp Fiction. Okay. Um, All right. It's uh, Dick Dale and the Deltones. It's a surf surf uh, rock song, and you all know it from it plays while the opening credits are playing a Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction after mm-hmm. that uh, initial scene with uh, Honey Bunny and uh, trying to, you know, rob the diner, and yep. then it breaks right into the, you know, that famous, you know, rolling guitar. Yep. Um, and that, that Pulp Fiction comes on the screen. It's just like, I think that it's kind of like, I guess I kind of have to include that scene leading up to that point. Cause it like, that's where it punctuates that scene, right. it cuts to black and yep. you get that song. Um, but that song is like surf rock. It's a weird thing. It's a weird genre of music yeah. and it was kind of forgotten until that point. Mm-hmm. And then he brought that back to the forefront. There's a and, lot of surf rock in that movie. I rewatched, yeah, yeah. I rewatched Pulp Fiction, uh, 
to you know just for this and for just because it was time to watch Pulp Fiction again my yearly watching of Pulp Fiction yeah uh but yeah there's a lot of just background surf music in that movie and uh even the very end scene where they're walking out of the diner and they kind of have like this weird cool swagger like yeah. John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson and they're like doom 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 and it's just yeah. like this cool yeah. bass yeah. uh kind of surfer music and uh and then like that's the end of the movie and yeah. you're like what it, and and it very much is like it starts with that and it ends with that and you're like whoa and, and you yeah. know you've seen something you you know you've seen something yeah it's such it. a great use of music in that that just that using that genre of music and miserable itself is like it, in the context of it like when you listen to it you're like damn this song's kind of violent sounding like yeah. it's got this screaming in the background kind of yeah. thing going on yeah. and the way that it rolls it's very wild and like kind of plays up the criminal aspects of the film there's and just these like things ra- that are happening like, huh. and Oh, you know, yeah, just, yeah, like this yeah. Weird it's thing, it's yeah. unsettling in this mm-hmm. way when you when you look at it in uh, in context of the film. So, yeah, miserable use in the opening scene of the Pulp Fiction is my number two. Right on. Uh, my number two is uh, the only one that I had that wasn't a specific song. It was uh, a score moment, and it's from Kill Bill, uh, Volume One. So the score was done by uh, RZA mm-hmm. with uh, all the mm-hmm. original Tank scoring. Clan. Yep, and uh, it's. There's a, there's a lot of really good score moments in Kill Bill, uh, but it's there's two parts where they use it, and it's the first is when uh, Hattori Hanzo is giving the sword to the bride, yeah, and uh, the, like the the sword ceremony, and it's yeah. just like this. Uh, there's horns and the Japanese flute that's in the background, and it's just like this weird, fun, almost mystical quality to the to the music and uh it's like so you've got like almost like the mariachi horns with this kind of japanese flute playing yeah. together mm-hmm. and then it just kicks in with the drums and it's like doo, 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 and it comes in with those ho- with those drums like that and then those horns been like and and so it comes in with those, and it, like the flute in the background plays very well against the horns like that and uh so they use it in that scene and then it's also the the song for the end credits uh mm-hmm. in 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 kill bill and it's like you know it's like that woman deserves her revenge and you know we yeah. all deserve to die and then it's like does does she know that her baby's still alive and then it's like that, that and then it comes in with those drums again those drums really accentuate and uh and, and really nail home that that scene both of them and uh so that was i i when I was thinking about what I was going back watching Kill Bill again, I was just like, man, what's that scene? What, what is it? Cause yeah. it had been forever since I'd watched Kill Bill. And so I watched it and that was the one where I was like, yep, there it is right there. And, it's an awesome score. I mean, yeah, you nailed it. It is this like mix of like, um, Japanese and then the spaghetti Western mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. together. Um, very, weird and it works yeah and it's it, a it, testament it, to rizzo's production very much values. so because you um, you look at like rizzo and all the th- all the you know the influences you know in the six chambers and all that kind of stuff uh that wu-tang clan has yeah heavily and influenced by heavily influenced. movies yeah, and yeah, things absolutely. like that so, in japanese culture uh, yep, and chinese yep. culture so i think rizzo stuff, was yeah. definitely the perfect kind of pick to to have that and then influences of morconi coming in uh on, on top of that so i thought it was a really cool cool scene so cool. yeah good good choice get sunny chiba yeah get that, get that man all the work right <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right my number one uh you've already covered it but it was uh stuck in the middle with you from okay. reservoir dogs that scene is just so iconic um reservoir dogs is like you can see the seeds of what becomes pulp fiction in that film right. i think it's not nearly as good um 
as Pulp Fiction. Um, it just doesn't have the meat that Pulp Fiction right. has, like right. not the, the weight to it that Pulp Fiction has. But that scene just shows the brilliance of Tarantino and what he was capable of. Mm-hmm. And it just it just shows like what what he would go on to do later. And it's right. such a like inspiring scene. So we've already talked about it, but yeah, it's just such an amazing, like iconic scene. And um yeah. I think we've talked about it a little bit before too, but like go back to think about what happens if Tony Scott doesn't direct true romance and directs Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. and then Tarantino gets to direct true romance instead of Reservoir Dogs. Because Tarantino had written both scripts and then basically took it to the studio and they were like, We love both, we want to do both but you can't do both. And they let Tony Scott pick and Tony Scott's like, I want to do true romance. And then that left Tarantino reservoir dogs. Whereas like if he had picked, like what happens if Tony Scott picks reservoir dogs, that, that, that'd be a really cool. I think that if that happened and no, there's no offense to Tony Scott. I just think because of the nature of the material, I think that reservoir dogs becomes this film that people just forget about. Yeah. And not to say that true romance is a film we forget about. Cause this is fantastic. I oh, love absolutely. that movie. Really absolutely. great. Um, but reservoir dogs is such a Quentin Tarantino thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so, so him, like the things that he chooses, the choices he makes with all the soundtrack and the, right. the look of the costumes and all that stuff. Um, in that film, I think that th- that's how I would think it would play out. I yeah. think that we wouldn't remember Reservoir Dogs like we do now. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be like a, good, a cool film that we would watch, but right. I don't think it would be this iconic like okay. example of 90s cinema like it is now. That's a good point. But but I don't know. I mean, on the other hand, like how would True Romance... Would True Romance be more revered than it is now? Yeah, or, or it, it might not be because he... I feel like with True Romance, he had so many more options to like maybe overdo things in certain mm. spots because it's Cause such I, a. I like War. True Romance better than I do Reservoir Dogs. Do you really? Mm-hmm. I don't, but they're. I mean, they're not far off. Right. for me. Right. Um, I like both films a lot, but I like the. I like the relationship between uh, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, weird. Weirdly, also like the Arquette family is heavily prominent in Tarantino. I mean, I, I yeah, guess he's right. friends with the Arquettes. He's gotta be, yeah. Because, I mean, like, you look at, like, Rosanna was in uh, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. as was uh, Alexis, yeah. or originally Alex, because yeah. he was the one with the fucking hand cannon that came out of the bathroom. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. But uh, that was before his transition, gender, yeah. gender transition. But, uh, yeah, they were both in it. I think the only one that hasn't been is uh, David Arquette. I, don't, I haven't seen him in any of the... Right. I don't think he's been in a Quentin Tarantino film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I that that's always really like I, I like True Romance just a little bit better than I do Reservoir Dogs. It's a good question. True Romance is a much more complicated film, though. And is. I think the fact that Tarantino was able to like kind of work out some of those ideas on such a simple film as mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs might have set him up for better success with Pulp Fiction, which is a very complicated movie. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I think that it like was the perfect stepping stone to like further his career in my opinion but both really good movies and yeah gary oldman and true romance oh awesome awesome yeah. so good <laughs> and brad pitt yeah brad, brad pitt's pitt first too. appearance yeah. in a tarantino yeah, film right yeah, yeah. kind of so sort of yeah. uh well you already hit on my number one my number one was miserloo by dick dale and the okay. deltons um because that that song that scene and you kind of harped on it a little bit uh when i was 16 years old i watched pulp fiction it was a friday night when movie stores still existed i went i'd heard about it for forever and it was one of those where finally like my mom was like i don't give a shit what you rent anymore yeah you know what i'm saying and so i finally went and i got pulp fiction 
uh, I remember she went to Food Line and uh, the movie gallery was right next to the Food Line. So I yeah. went to the movie gallery and got Pulp Fiction and came back and watched it uh, in the room of the garage at like 10 o'clock at night. And when that song came on, that scene, I mean, like it's like they freeze the frame yeah. with Honey Bunny. And any of you fucking pricks moves and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. And then just that, oh, and then like that, that sound just comes in. It just comes in and it just like, and I'm like, what am I about? What am I watching right now? Because it's such a shock because that scene is played as this like romantic scene, Mm -hmm. like Harry met Sally kind of scene in a diner. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to this like dark place real quick and they're doing this robbery. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. You know, the like, and and he it just yeah. throws that gun on the table. So their transition to that to these criminals in front of your eyes is yeah. just like punctuated with this freeze frame and then cut to black and the yeah. and then that the, that, that the title pulp, pulp fiction just rolls up the screen. Yeah, it comes up the screen. It's a very seventies roll yeah. of the title. Yep. Um. And yeah. And just boom, it just hits you in the face, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, this is, we're all, we're all, we're going to be out for a ride. Great Tarantino fashion. It's played like a radio song because. It goes and then like you hear and like you hear the radio being tuned. Yeah. And then it goes into Jungle Boogie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then it's Vince and Jules in the car. Yeah. Getting ready to do all their fun stuff. Yeah. And it's just a it just it like I said that that end scene accentuated by surf music and the beginning by surf music and it's this crime this gritty crime film. I'm like you know Marcellus Wallace is getting sodomized and <laughs> and you know there, there's a great yeah. there's a great song too i can't remember the name of it but uh that that just that and you know like as yeah. butch is choosing his weapon of death uh-huh. to kill these people you know it goes from like the bat to the chainsaw yeah. to the samurai sword and uh so like that's that's a whole uh th- th- there's a whole scene that you could be putting in there too but no miserloo uh, number one because it just man it, it blew me away it, it literally I was just like I, I I can't remember what I but I was like what am I about what what am I about to watch right now yeah it's, and then I got done with it and I was like that movie is the best movie I've ever seen <laughs> yeah and Pulp Fiction is like it's such a great song for the that because it Pulp Fiction is really like this kind of like weird twisted dark fairy tale mm-hmm. it's not like it's not really set in reality it's no. set in this weird like it's set in Quentin Tarantino's head I guess but yeah. like it is like a fairy tale aspect of it mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like anachronisms and things like you couldn't really tell what era is in. Like no. there's not anything that super dates it to any, like it's supposed to be, I guess running the nineties or whatever, right. but it's like right. kind of like, you know, and yeah. like that song is so like a fifties cafe yeah. or fifties restaurant. Uh-huh. And then, you know, nobody dresses like when they dress in the, in this, and like the Santa Cruz banana slugs and like when they, when they, you know, yeah. shoot Marvin and stuff and like, and everybody laughs of laughs at them for the clothes that they're wearing. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, those are clothes that, people wear all the time now yeah but nobody dresses but like nobody the 90s dresses, in like right. yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it's it's it is it's kind of like this fairy tale and it's it, that that and miserably is such a like fairy tale-ish kind of sounding song but in a yeah. dark way mm-hmm. like i don't know what i'm trying to say but it is this like fantasy world kind of thing and it's yep. like the perfect kind of fantastical you know, song nobody nobody just blows away four guys in a room 
and doesn't get the cops called like yeah like and they're like hey we need to go as like no the cops would be fucking there yeah right uh, especially yeah. in like yeah. south central los angeles like yeah. that uh they're gonna be there quick and uh you know everything just kind of works itself out perfectly yeah um oh you sitting in the wolf in the wolf yeah the wolf <laughs> there's a big bad wolf man it's like i said that's all you had to say yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah those uh I, I, I that's a good list i like them yeah uh, um, good good ones good 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 times right there great i mean if you haven't seen all of Quentin Tarantino's movie, Tarantino's movies, just go watch them all and go watch them again. I mean, it's yeah, how about you get all great, that? Like, all right. yeah, I will. I got one more. <laughs> um, yeah, just amazing filmmaker. And have you seen Four Rooms? I have. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Because there's he, he have right. I seen four? Right? Uh, you know, no, I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he wrote one portion, one of that. portion it's of that. four different stories yeah. there a lot. Not a great movie, but okay. No. Tim Roth is in it. Tim Roth too. is yeah. in it, he's like the main recurring character, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another Tarantino cameo. There is one other film, what is it called? There is some weird movie that Tarantino's in, and I can't remember if he wrote it or it's not from Dust Till Dawn. Is it Mr. Th- thunder or some shit like that like i don't know what i'm trying to think of i, I will come up with it later and get okay. back to you but yeah right. there, he's he's a major character i think it's like really bad but um i think he wrote it but i know he was the uh the adventures of somebody or something okay. like that it's he was like, the blind priest and little nicky <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah the hell beast is above us yeah <clears throat> which also starred patricia arquette so right and there uh, you go yeah. another connection to the arquettes yep, yep. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I'm glad we did this one. This was a good one. Me too. Um, I, I think uh, hopefully we didn't ruin too many movies for you guys. Like I said, spoilers. Spoilers are plenty. Uh, not that that really applies now, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I think they'll be all right. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we will definitely be talking to you sooner rather yeah, than later. Brian, where can they find you? Uh, we, I, I am currently on uh, BFG Wilmington Trivia on Facebook and nofelix.com online uh, with all my Oscar reviews and uh, my trivia page and everything like that, which pretty epic trivia last night. Uh, I'll say that. I heard it was just okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. R- word around the water. <laughs> word around the water cooler, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you can find me on most things as at DJ T Panda, all one word, at DJ T Panda all one word and uh yeah so thanks for listening and uh as always you're gonna need a bigger boat how about you come down uh, here and chum this shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) hooper drives the boat hooper drives the boat chief (laughs) (laughs) we out